That was awesome. Great job. Yeah. I hope and pray that everyone had a great Christmas. I'm thankful the sun is out today. Um, Finally, yeah, we can cheer for that. It didn't rain at my house. No, it poured. (laughs) We had a river running through our backyard. So, But I'm just thankful the sun's out now. Um, I hope that you had a great Christmas. I hope that it was filled with family and friends and just um, it was a great day to to honor our, our Savior's birth. And so this past month, we've been going through this series called God's Story, Your Story. And it's all about this idea that if we ourselves were to write the story of the birth, of Jesus' birth, it would look completely different than what it says in the Scriptures. But the reality is, is the author of life, God, who wrote the story, wrote it, and for that reason, it's absolutely perfect. We have it in our minds, though, today, and our society has kind of trained us that it's this fairy tale type of birth, right? That as uh, we've discovered that this month, too, that, um, that the fairy tale birth in our mind is far from the truth. That's just not how it happened. It's actually a very difficult story to, to, to listen to. It's actually, it was actually a very tough birth for, for Mary and for Joseph. A story that if we really thought about it, we might actually just block it from our minds. And as we wrap up our series today, we will look at, at, at the part of the birth where the Magi come into play, where they come into the scene, where they come into to worship the newborn king. If the story were to be written today, it might actually be written something like this. so glad mommy kept me in those classes of math and ancient Hebrew prophecies. <laughs> I know I'm excited. Got me some camel jerky here to eat on the way. I'm ready to go. Yes, yes. Um, do we have everything? Yes, we do. Check. Has everyone used the bathroom? Yes. Yes, and I brought a porta potty just in case we run into traffic. <laughs> These are going to be really big in a few years. <laughs> so, so check, and I, I guess double check. So. Um, okay, well, good. We are on our way. So, uh, what did you bring as a present? Oh, uh, good question. I have frankincense. Well, I've got some myrrh here. Good stuff, let me tell you. Very nice. Right out of the tree. Wow! Are you two cheapos? (laughs) Whoops, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Taking aromatic resin from trees and giving it to a king. Oh! Yes, Casper, you did say that out loud. And let me just point out to you, my learned friend, that the harvesting of frankincense and myrrh, though 
They come from trees. It is not cheap. They're quite expensive, actually. Tell me, what are you bringing? Well, I don't want to brag, <laughs> but I brought gold. <laughs> gold? Do you know how expensive that stuff is? Yes, I do, but it is a gift for a king. <laughs> great, great job, Casper, helping Melchior and I to feel bad about our gift. Well, anyway, it's too late for us to stop and get anything else because we are on our way. Well, it is the, the fact that it comes from the heart that is really the, the main thing here. So you are right, you are right. Come from the heart there. GPS is acting up. Do either of you guys know uh, what our next turn is or where we need to go? I have no idea, but we were told uh, to uh, follow the star, so no matter what road we take, it ought to get us there. We just follow it. You didn't bring any maps? I didn't bring a map. I thought, because I knew you had that GPS thingy. Well, had a GPS is right, things broke. I don't really think we have any satellite coverage out here anyway. You know, something, Casper. Casper. Casper! Wake up. I recall when you were telling us one of the many times you told us about your life story um, <laughs> that you were a Boy Scout. You studied star charts and land navigation and, and such. Tell us, we're, we're lost. Which way should we go? <laughs> well, those were the good old days, but I don't know. Um, you know, that was 40 years ago that I was a Boy Scout. Now, I remember the stars, and I just don't remember the directions. You're never supposed to forget your sense of direction, but like I said, if we just follow the star, whatever road we take ought to get us there. Hmm. Hey, there's Herod's palace. Why don't we go ask for directions? <laughs> no, no, we're, we're not, not going asking to ask for directions. directions. <laughs> you know, when we first estimated that it would take us two years to find the king, and we've come this far, and it, it's only been a month. Yeah, yeah, we've come this far, and this amount of relatively short time, and we're so close. What makes you think we need directions? And two years later. Well, We've been running in circles for two years now, and look, there's Herod's palace. Okay, okay, I concede. We need directions, but here's the deal. We go in, we get the directions, we get out. Chop, chop, quick, quick, and then we're on our way again. Everybody got that? Got it. Let's got it? Mm -hmm. All right, let's go. Let's Remember what we agreed on. 
What happened in Jerusalem? Stays, Stays in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Some things never change, <laughs> even 2,000 years later. I want to start today with a portion of the Christmas story from Matthew in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, if you have your Bibles with you. We're going to be reading from verses 10 and 11. And this is talking about the when the wise men actually experienced Christ. Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The story says that when the wise men saw, when the wise men saw the star, that they were overjoyed. Why were they overjoyed? Because for literally centuries upon centuries, they were hoping and praying, believing that one day God would send a Messiah, the Savior of the world. And the wise men believed that this was their moment, that this was the moment when Jesus was actually born. Verses, verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with, <clears throat> with his mother. They bowed down and worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. When we usually visualize, what we usually visualize in our mind is three men kneeling in front of a baby Jesus, maybe eight days old, maybe two weeks old, or, or whatever it may have been. Why do we do that? Because every Christmas card you receive has that picture on it, or because every nativity you've seen has the three wise men in front of the baby. But in reality, what scholars believe is that Jesus was not a baby, but chances are, chances are very good that he was a toddler. He was very likely probably around two years old when the wise men got there. Scholars believe that the wise men traveled up to 900 or so miles to get to Jesus, and Jesus was probably around two years of age. Now to me, this changes the dynamics of everything for me. And I, real quick, how many of you have ever had to raise a two-year-old or be around a two-year-old, even if you've been around a two-year-old. Yeah, pretty much, like, pretty much everything. And I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. I used to judge parents so bad with unruly two-year-olds all the time. I would, <laughs> I would judge you like crazy. <laughs> and b- before, I, before me and Lindsay had Joshua, I was a better parent than all of you. <laughs> We'd go out to eat, and and we'd be sitting at a restaurant, and I'd see two-year-olds throwing mashed potatoes at at their parents, and and there'd be just garbage all over the ground, and and I'd be like, man, when I'm a parent, my kid's never going to do that or act like this. And and you know what? (laughs) We were out at the mall yesterday, or not the mall, we we were out shopping yesterday, and my son for no reason at all, just decides to scream. He just starts screaming in the store. And we're like, Joshua, stop screaming. And he just screams louder. And so, um, but everything changed when I, when I had a two-year-old. And I'll just say about this, I understand and I judge no more. <laughs> but think about that picture for a moment. Kings bowing down to a two-year-old. Kings, wise men, magi, coming to worship a toddler. What else do we know about these wise men or magi? They most likely weren't Jewish. They, they, weren't, the re, they weren't the religious leaders of, of Israel. They weren't the philosophers or, or they weren't important political figures. They were most likely astrologers who saw a star 
and knew that the creator was up to something. God spoke to these astrologers we call the Magi, who had no idea what they were really getting into when they left for their journey. The Bible doesn't tell us that there were three of them. In fact, we don't know how many of them there, there actually were. We assume three because there were three gifts presented to the, to the king, to Jesus, and also because of every nativity scene, there's three wise men there. They were undoubtedly familiar to a degree with the promise of the Messiah, which leads us to believe that they came from an area where some Jews remained after the exile in Babylon and had ended, was ended, though we can't be certain where they actually were from. So now, so now that we know what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say about the Magi, what does that mean for, for you? What does that mean for me? And what can we learn from the Magi story? Three things I believe this morning that we can learn from the story of the Magi. First thing is, the Magi gave their best. We live in a world that rewards those who give, uh, who, that those who give their, their best in sports and business and, and more, right? In the world of sports, the best teams get huge trophies and the most talented players get paid the most amount of money. I want to show you a picture of the 2015, there it is, this is the, the New England Patriots, my favorite team. <laughs> their, their Super Bowl championship ring. Every team that wins a Super Bowl gets, gets to take home a, a ring. Let me tell you about this ring a little bit. Um, this ring features the, t- the team's iconic lo- logo on the t- top. It has 44 diamonds on the top. The words, the world, the words world champions flank the ring's top with 143 additional round diamonds that are that are into it that and then the ring is also also uniquely shaped the ring is worth over thirty six thousand dollars each and usually the team's owners go ahead and buy the whole team their ring costing the team millions upon millions for a ring and not only does the team get the ring but also every coach and the all the the you know the all the doctors and everyone that works with the team i think some of the parking lot attendants might get <laughs> might get a ring but they spend millions and millions on these rings lebron james arguably the best basketball player since michael jordan makes 24 million dollars a year Star pitcher David Price signed a new contract with the Boston Red Sox this offseason worth $217 million to play baseball. I read an article, he makes $80 a minute. The best sports franchises... (laughs) Got some Red Sox fans in here. Awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I got it wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy. The best sports franchises and players are rewarded for their hard work and dedication. Now, most of us would all love to make that kind of money, but the problem is most of us will settle on something less than our best. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're at that point in your life today. Maybe you're, you're one of those people who went out on a limb many years ago and you were disappointed by the results, or even worse, you were defeated. The Magi gave their best. They did not offer Jesus a gift um, for the sake of giving something. They did not settle on giving the, the, the king of kings a, a, a package of diapers, but they brought their riches with them. 
They gave him the best that was available back then. Matthew 2.11 says, The Magi gave Jesus gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. In the first century, these gifts would have been highly regarded. In fact, to a certain degree, they still are today. And I can prove it. If you were to give me gold for Christmas this year, I would not be disappointed in that. (laughs) Why? Because gold is valuable, right? And it still is valuable even today. And it was valuable back then. The Magi gave their best because they knew who the gifts were going for. They knew there was something special about this baby boy. They knew his story would impact the world like no one else in history. I love what it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 23. It says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or, or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. He was revealed in these, in these fast times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and to your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. When you serve here at Huntsville Christian Church, I want to ask you a question. Are you giving your best? Are you serving with all your best? Always remember who you're serving. I want to encourage you this morning, whether you're singing on the worship team or you're cleaning up the, the floors after uh, an outreach event or, or you're purchasing gifts for Christmas prayers or, or volunteering your time for anything here at Huntsville Christian Church, I want to encourage you, always give your best. Give your best to the one who gave his all. Be reminded today that we are serving the one who gave us everlasting life, the one who has healed you when you were sick, the one who was there when you were lonely, the one who loves you and who has saved you from the sin of this world. The Magi teach us to give Jesus the best, no matter our situation. And the second thing the Magi teach us is that, is that our worship will cost us something. The Magi's worship cost them something. The Magi worship of Christ cost them something. They gave treasures and of tremendous value that were no doubt a great sacrifice to them. The three wise men may be the first time, the first time in Scripture that a monetary sacrifice is seen as an act of worship. But the theme is, is repeated throughout the gospel. In John chapter 12, Jesus praises Mary Magdalene for her act of worship, pouring it out an expensive bottle of perfume to wash his feet. In Matthew 13, Christ compares the kingdom of heaven to, uh, to a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found out the great value. He went away and sold everything he had bought for it. It's a direct reference to something of great value being given to receive an ultimate reward. But perhaps the most well-known example of this concept is found in Matthew 19. A man desperate for truth seeks out Jesus and asks him what he must do in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. The man is looking for salvation. And Jesus told him first to keep the basic commands of the law. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, and don't lie. But always love your parents and always love your neighbors. Excitingly, the man tells Jesus... It tells Jesus that what 
that he has done all those things, but seeing there is still something missing. He utters these words to Christ, what do I still lack? Little did he know that it was such a a huge and loaded question to ask Jesus. Jesus told him, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The next line is is one that many, even in the modern church, may find absolutely perplexing. Matthew 19, 21. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. It's a challenging story. Why did Jesus let the man walk away? Why was Christ so so interested in the man's wealth and living in such a, a time of prosperity? What does this mean for us? Mark 12, 42, 44 says it best. Perhaps it offers us the best answer to that question. After receiving large gifts from the rich, Jesus made note of a donation. Two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Donated from a widow, he responded to the gift by saying, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the, tre- into the, tre- into the treasury than all the others. They, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of, of poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. The true answer to why Jesus talks so much about money suddenly becomes absolutely clear. Jesus is not interested in wealth. All he wants is for us to give him things that cost us something. We can't buy his love. It's, it's unconditional. And his salvation is a free gift. So why does Jesus continually make reference to money and to spend so much time? And why does he spend so much time teaching on it throughout the Gospels? Because he wants us to be willing to give up things that are of value of, to us so that we might learn when we decrease, he increases. God doesn't need our money. He, wa- he wants it because he wants our heart, our time and our desires. And so often in life, those, those, are, those, are, those things are tied to things like money and success, prosperity and comfort. The Magi teach us to give our very best to Jesus and that worship will cost us something. And the third thing the Magi teach us is that when we come to see Jesus, we should come to worship. The Magi came to worship. They were there to worship. And if you were here on Christmas Eve, you heard me speak a little bit about this. Matthew 2.12 says this. The, the Magi asked this, Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it, when it rose and have come to worship him. This is one of the first accounts of anyone worshiping Jesus. God, would, God could have sent the greatest musicians, the best artists, right? He could have spent, sent the most articulate writers to set the example of what it looks like to worship Jesus. But he didn't. He sent the magi that gave him gifts of great value. One reason the wise men were wise is because they came to Jesus for the right reasons. They were were seekers of the truth. And they would go to any length to travel very far to find Jesus, no matter the circumstances before them. They came to worship Jesus. These magi did not have a friendship with Joseph or Mary. They didn't know them. They were not obligated to travel hundreds of of miles with, with gifts to welcome the newborn king. They simply knew the prophecy of the coming of a king. And once they saw the star in the east, they followed their hearts. 
Their hearts that were moved to bring their best gifts. Their hearts that were moved to sacrifice time and, and comfort for travel. And the, and the very same hearts that were moved to worship the King of Kings. No matter how big, no matter how big, no matter how big he was, they arrived. As we uncover the Magi story, there were several lessons to, to learn from it. Lessons we would not consider if it, if it were to just if we were just to read the Christmas story and not develop and not develop it to become our very own. For God's story to become your story, you have to you have to you have to let His love and example change your life. There are people today who seem to use Jesus. Sometimes they they come across as a a person who loves Jesus. However, <clears throat> however the the rest of their lives don't point to Him in their lives. Politicians use Jesus to get votes. Business leaders use Jesus to get a blessing of their business. Marketers use Jesus to sell a product. People use Jesus for their, so, for their own selfish account. And you may have seen that in your own life. We often ask, what can Jesus do for me? As if he's a vending machine. Or, or we, we act as if God is a, is a giant genie, right? Just rub the lamp. And God will come out and whatever you want, whatever your wish is his command. But God is not a genie. He is the one true God. He is your God. He is, he is in charge. He has the right to tell you what to do and, and not vice versa. You don't tell God what to do. So the wise men came for the right, for the right reasons. They didn't come to, to get something from Jesus. They came to show gratitude, to show love, to show honor. To show respect, they came to worship the newborn king. And we too can learn from the Magi. We can come to Jesus for the same reasons. We should come to worship. If you're here today to get something, I pray that, that the one thing we all ask, we all walk away, is that Jesus deserves our worship. And if you understand that, I hope that you are challenged to revamp your worship. Worship is your whole life and not just on Sunday mornings and not just on Wednesdays or at your small group. Worship is, is who you are. It's what you do every single day. It's how you offer yourself to God during the day, every single day. I hope that you will take the time to give Jesus your best in all you do, no matter the cost. And this morning as we um, approach our time of, of invitation. If, if you want to know this baby boy Jesus who grows up to be a tremendous king to die for you and for me on the cross and you want to really know him, I invite you. Our, our baptistry is open. We'd love to, to baptize you. We'd love to tell you more about Jesus. Or maybe this morning you're looking for a church home. Uh, you want to be a part of a, a community of believers who reaches out to their community, who wants to tell the world about Jesus. This is your home. We do that here. We, we do that all year round. Or maybe you just need some prayer. Maybe this morning you're just like, I need to pray. Our elders are here. We'd love to pray for you. This would be a great time as we close out our, the year, the last sermon of the year. If you need prayer, I would ask as we stand and sing our last song of worship that you would come forward. Stand in and worship with us. Amen. A couple things before we leave today. Thank you for bearing with me and my voice. I had a lot of people praying for me that would be able to get through today's message. So thank you for your prayers. 
Um, I'm really excited about two, 2016 at Huntsville Christian Church. In January, we begin a new series called Tell Me the Secrets, and we're going to start talking about the secrets of worship. And I invite each and every one of you to join us in the new year as we begin that new series. We'd love to, to have you here. But now it's time to go, and as you go, remember this. God's story included him giving his very best to us in the form of a baby boy. Now it's our turn to give our best back to him. Always remember what he's done for you. Know that God's story for my life and for your life is absolutely perfect. The Bible even tells us so. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Even so, we may, we may have many questions about the time when God came to earth and the events surrounding it. Know that it's a beautiful picture story. Have a happy new year.